0: Hello, and welcome to today's VJ Hemonk podcast. We are a global open access video journal bringing you the latest in hematological oncology. In today's podcast, experts Noelle Frey, Bijal Shah, and Shannon Maud hold a fascinating discussion on the future of CAR T-cell therapy for acute lymphoblastic leukemia. In their discussion, the experts will cover several topics including the impact of the approval of T-cell cell in adult ALL, the importance of improving persistence and durability of responses to CAR T therapy, and more.
1: Hi, my name is Noelle Fry, and I'm here with Dr. Bijal Shah and Shannon Maude, and we are at the 4th International Working Group for CAR T-Cell Therapy down here in Tampa Bay, Florida, and uh, we just finished what I thought was a very enlightening and exciting session um, about CAR T-Cell Therapy for adults in pediatrics with uh, B-Cell ALL. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I thought the session was so exciting and I think um, what's clear is we're all so aware of these initial successes that we've had with CART 19 products in ALL, and how this has really launched this field of CAR T cell therapy um, to go after uh, other diseases and other antigens. But what we really saw today, I think, is the next phase of CAR T cell therapy for ALL. Um, and we saw uh, Dr. Maud talked about using a humanized CAR T-cell product instead of a murine or mouse-based CAR T-cell product, um, hoping to improve persistence of the CAR T-cells, which would translate into less CD19 positive relapses. Um, I talked, and others did too, about Going after more than one antigen um, on the on the um, leukemia cell, and again the goal there is we have these great remission rates. How can we take it to that next step um, and improve uh, relapse-free survival? Bijal, we finally now have an FDA-approved product to treat adults uh, with ALL, and it was exciting to hear that data. Um, and we also heard about an off-the-shelf car, which could overcome a, a lot of the barriers um, that we face when we use an autologous product. So, so what's inspired you guys, and, and um, what are you most excited about?
2: Well, well, I'll start. I mean, I, I'm excited that I can treat grown-ups. How's yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I never really understood the cutoff of 26 for tisagenlecleucel, it, it it was always something that I found mystifying and I understand we have to take the trials and figure out how to bring them forward but you know you had published data showing that this could be delivered uh, safely to adults and I can tell you we did try to deliver it to adults off label and we're not successful uh, getting that off the ground and so it was really really exciting to finally have a therapy we could bring to adults I think it um, emphasize that there's still room to make it better. Uh, You know, I think this issue of intention to treat, although I I hate the term, it does emphasize that folks can get sick while you're in that phase, trying to get them to to CAR T-cell immunotherapy, and at least for me, emphasizes the need to intervene earlier, and ideally with lower tumor burden, where, nicely enough, we still see activity and um, perhaps even better safety and so, that was really the, the crux of what I wanted to bring forward, you know, in terms of the allogeneic CAR T-cell products. Uh, I have had the, the pleasure of being able to work with Nitin, uh on this protocol for relapsed refractory lymphomas and ALL. Uh, and it's been really cool. Uh, we're at a point now where we're seeing expansion that's commensurate with what we would see with an autologous CAR T cell product, and now we get to you know do the um, the watchful waiting, right? You know, the hard part is that really going to translate into you know these durable remissions that we want to see in, in ALL and in non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, and, and so we're, we're in that process now, but it's been, been very, very exciting to see that develop, uh, and, and to now have an option that we're actually specifically taking for those post autologous CAR T-cell relapses.
0: And I, I think as well that, you know, now that we've seen these exciting results and now that we have this available across the age spectrum, I think we're all thinking now what? How can we improve upon this? because it's been remarkable but it also brings to light um, you know when we see these remarkable results in a substantial fraction of patients you want it for everybody and so it brings to light uh, you know the um, the failures of these therapies and how can we improve upon that and I think that's what I'm excited about too Um, you know I think as you mentioned getting to the patients who haven't been able to get to this therapy in the past, um, but then also thinking about the patients who have an initial response, but then um, have the the CAR T-cells fail them by one mechanism or another. um, I think we're learning a lot about how can we improve upon these therapies um, and make them last longer, make them overcome and be able to recognize the, the ways that the leukemia can hide and, and uh, get around it. And so I'm excited about that and I think I'm also excited about the prospect of, of bringing this into earlier lines as, as you talked about um, and as we have been trying to do in pediatrics as well. And I think we're going to see improvements of those outcomes as we bring this into earlier lines as well.
1: Yeah, it's very exciting. And Shannon, you have such a large experience perhaps in the world of of these large cohorts of pediatric patients treated initially with what's now tisagenlecleucel and now with the humanized um, version of it, and you shared your data today. But is, what's your instinct about the the difference between uh, a murine versus a humanized product? Do you think it's it's something we should keep exploring? Um, worth that effort? I, I do think it
0: is. I think that we. Um, it, have seen that a humanized product um, can overcome some of the problems that we that we see in patients who have had poor persistence. But even more importantly, I think if you're starting with a humanized or fully human product, you may run into um, less of those issues down the road. That um, that I think we're we're starting to see the hints of improved persistence of those um, products and. Um, perhaps we can see improved safety as well. I think it's a little bit early to know that and the, the um, patient population treated on the trials was, was different. Um, however, I think um, in my view, I think the humanized or fully human products are probably where we need to head to improve um, upon these therapies. And I think doing doing them on their own or also in combination is where I, I hope we're going to be going. Mm-hmm.
1: That's
2: great. So Noel, I wanted to ask you, you know, because I thought your presentation was fascinating, right? That we can come in now with a 19 and a 22 car, not only see it prove effective and perhaps improve on that persistence benchmark. But the kinetics of expansion and the fact that you can see one car, in a sense, pull up the other. And, and, I'm, and I'm, again, I'm just fascinated by that. I'm curious, what are your thoughts as it relates to that? And, and does that also give us some insight into how we should be targeting multiple antigens as opposed to trying to build them all into one cell?
1: Yeah, so I I think it's um, just a really exciting area in the field uh, right now, and I think next year we're gonna have so much more to talk about. And even within this conference, I think we're gonna hear a couple other um, talks in the lymphoma session just about other approaches to this dual targeting. So um, so the approach that we've used in our trials at Penn is to actually manufacture two separate uh, CAR T-cell products, one targeted to 19, one to 22, and infuse them um, into the patient at the same time. Um, and of course there's other approaches um, manufacturing a product with a single vector with bispecificity or a bisistronic vector or using two vectors um, uh, encoding separate cars in the same product and and i think each of these approaches have strengths and weaknesses Um, speaking to our own experience using what i think as i mentioned is the simplest method you got you make two products and give them to the patient i think the um, challenges with that approach there's logistical and cost challenges you're manufacturing um, two products Um, and what we learned is that you need to think about the two products and their cellular kinetics, how it is when you give them as a single agent and how is that changed when you uh, give the two products together. For example if the CART-19 product we're using tends to have an earlier um, expansion, how is that cytokine storm that's generated there going to influence that more delayed expansion of the CAR22, both in terms of efficacy potentially, um, making that CAR22 potentially more efficacious, but also in terms of, of toxicity. Um, and, and the other challenge that I think we could have predicted, which fortunately we didn't see, is if there's these two products in the body each kind of going after the same cell, different antigens, is one of those going to be more successful. And as a byproduct of that, the other product kind of dies off, right? And so you lose that potential for dual functionality if one of the CAR T cells just doesn't, doesn't persist. Um, and I think we'll hear uh, some other talks, but um, you know, an elegant method of a single vector, um, encoding a car with bispecificity. Um, there's a lot, lots, we've learned there's lots of structural issues related to how that car is on the surface of the cell um, that might actually impact the ability of that cell to maintain functionality of both of those those antigens. So I think all of the approaches that are under investigation have this potential for great success. Um, and I think less of comparing different approaches more and more in terms of optimizing each, each approach. Um, and I think in solid tumors, this might be really important too.
0: And you know, the, you know it's, what I found so fascinating, as you have alluded to, is that we've seen all these different approaches being developed simultaneously. And you know, in, in some ways, you may think, are we putting in a lot of effort with all these different approaches? But it's really we've seen that the um, outcomes that you see are much different, and the behavior of the products are really much different the way that you do it. And I think, What we need to think about going forward, Um, it was mentioned in the solid tumor day yesterday as well, is how can we design clinical trials that we can get a signal from all of these different approaches and sort of pick the winner or or figure out what needs to be optimized and developed. I think that's gonna be our challenge. Oh, absolutely.
1: Well, I certainly look forward to next year. Um, so I want to thank you guys um, and thank the audience for um, being with us today. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We hope you
0: enjoyed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VJ Hemonk and subscribe to VJ Hemonk Podcasts on Spotify, Apple, and Podbean. Until next time.